to get to tonight um, because, you know, it's awards season. It started in earnest, uh, so it's always um, a lot shaken in uh, these uh, final weeks of the year into next year. Um, so a lot that we've seen, a lot of new films that we're going to talk about. Uh, but first, let's get to the uh, Critics Awards that have been handed out in the past week. Starting with the New York Film Critics Circle. Is that what they are? Yes. Yes. Do they actually sit in a circle when they <laughs> give out these awards? <laughs> yes. Indian style, uh, if, that's, if that's still a <laughs> yeah. uh, term. Ruffling <laughs> on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> And they got a fire in the middle where they yeah. summon spirits. S'mores. Uh, okay. Their uh, Best uh, uh, Supporting Actress, which is probably the most surprising award uh, that I've seen out of all of these things, is uh, Tiffany Haddish for Girls Trip. Yeah, that was a surprise. I mean, she's very good in the movie. Uh, I mean, she's obviously the highlight of the movie and the and the comedic. You know, superstar in it. So, uh, but it was a surprise <laughs> for her to be for for a performance from a movie like that, which is a, a historically important movie too. It being a really truly, you know, all black production, uh, the first, you know, production to be to pass the hundred million dollar mark with, you know, an all black. Uh, producing and directing and writing and acting team. So I forget, did Melissa McCarthy get an Oscar nomination for Bridesmaids? She did. Okay. Well, it's not out of the question then, is it? Nope. Nope. Yeah. Definitely not. Uh Best Supporting Actor because they're similar in tone, is my point. <laughs> this two, you know, women uh you know, acting up. Women mm-hmm. going crazy. Yeah. Uh, best Supporting Actor, Willem Dafoe, The Florida Project. I, I would think certainly he's he's in the running among the f- five supporting performances. That he, he's a, he's the front runner at the moment, I would say. Okay. Best Actress, Saoirse Ronan for Lady Bird. Uh, more on that in a little bit. We're going to talk about Lady Bird. Uh, best Actor. Timothy Chalamet? Yes. Uh, Call Me By Your Name. Have you been able to see Call Me By Your Name yet? I haven't. I haven't even gotten a screener for it yet. So, I mean, it's uh, it's absurd, too, because it's been, you know, it's been around for a year now. It's crazy. So (laughs) And it's the front front runner. And, like, you know, you only got, like, two at most three front runners, and that's one of them. Uh-huh. So it seems like you know that would be the given. Best screenplay, <clears throat> Paul Thomas Anderson for Phantom Thread for his I, uh, take yeah. on uh, Vertigo. <laughs> I uh, I fully believe that he'll be in the running at least as in screenplay because if we look at the history of uh, his nominations, he's been nominated for generally everything that he uh, well, with the exception of the Master, which got a lot of acting nominations but no nominations for Paul Thomas Anderson. He's pretty much been nominated for screenplay for almost everything that he's done. Yeah, Boogie yeah. Nights, uh, yeah. Magnolia. Uh, inherent vice, uh, and uh, you know. So I mean, uh, he, 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 
it's quite a possibility there. In Phantom Thread, that would be original screenplay, right? It's not based on anything, is it? Yeah, it's an original screenplay, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so it'll be Paul Thomas Anderson and Jordan Peele, right? In the best original screenplay category. They'll probably they'll probably going up be going up against each other along yeah. with Greta Greta Gerwig and so forth. So, and and probably Martin McDonough for for three billboards, which we'll also talk about later oh, yeah. on in the show. So, yeah, 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 yeah. That'll win. Best cinematography. <laughs> best cinematography. Uh, Rachel Morrison for Mudbound. Now, the last go-round when we had our the season three of our cinematography series, we had Rachel Morrison on. Um, and uh, I, I talked to her for like 45 minutes, and she was not happy because I, for, I failed to mention two movies. I was mentioning the movies that weren't so obvious and the challenges of doing them, but she wanted to, so we scheduled another interview. So I did two interviews for one segment with her. Mm. But uh, she's the first female cinematography winner uh, at the New York Film Critics. Um, and, uh, I mean, you know, she has a strong possibility of uh, breaking that ceiling with the Oscars, which, you know, there's never... It's the one category where no female has ever been nominated before, so... Yeah. Yeah, she is good. She is good. Best Director, Sean Baker, Florida Project. That was a surprise. That was a big surprise. I mean, not that it's not deserved. Uh, it was just, um, uh, I don't know, it just got a little bit out of left field for me. But uh, but definitely a, a beautiful job. And it must be very difficult, too, also directing a cast of mostly non-actors, at least as far as I could tell. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, there's only, as far as I can tell, there's only two uh uh, actors in it, and that's uh, Defoe and Caleb Landry Jones is in it and uh, playing his son. But uh, other than that, uh, all faces I didn't recognize. And of course, all the kids. I mean, wow, <laughs> you know, uh, it's uh, it's an unusual directing job too for that movie too because he he was uh, I guess he was doing a. A thing I, I, this is an industry term called run and gun, uh, which I uh, imagine is just sort of like running around with ca- the camera and and seeing what you can get, you know. Uh, right. Uh, so um, yeah, I, I I don't know. It'd be, he'd be very interesting to talk to. Uh, I think we've had him on the show before, but because um, he did some movie with Ben Kingsley. Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. Mm. But um, what? So wouldn't uh, like every Terrence Malick movie be referred to as Run and Gun? <laughs> Possibly, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I, you know, it, it could have something to do with the um, the kind of uh, improvisational, na- maybe an improvisational nature to things. I, I, I'm not, I'm not entirely 100 percent sure as to yeah. the working methods and the and the, you know. And how the screenplay was originally, or whatever. So, best animated film, and I, you know, usually in every single year, uh, best animated is pretty much a gimme, right? I mean, more often than not, we're we're pretty sure what best animated feature will be pretty early, uh, and this year it seems to be Coco, which I didn't know that Lee Unkrich was behind Coco. 
Leon Bridge, who has a major Shining obsession. He's writing a book about the Shining. Yes, and he's a big Shining collector and has a great website that uh, is incredibly detailed that uh, is, uh, you know, if you're a fan of that uh, movie, his website is extraordinary. But, um, I better get a special thanks in his book, by the way, because he emailed me. He asked me for ten different contacts, oh. so he could contact them for his book. And I was like, "Oh, I'm okay. sure you will." Then uh, I, I better, man. <laughs> it's funny. It's I've not, got that's, a that's uh, Toy Story guys going down. It's funny. I've got a uh, thing that I wanted to. Uh, I've been wanting to send him a picture of because I, you know, he has all this. Um, you know, ephemera listed and photographed in in his on his site. Uh, you know, promotional materials and all sorts of stuff. And I have uh, a very unusual piece of shining uh, promotional material that I've never seen uh, anybody. You know, it, it's a, it, there's no evidence of it on the web at all. I've got like a. It's real simple. It's just a four-page program. Uh, for the movie, that uh, on the front it's it's the yellow um, ad copy. Uh, in the middle, it's a list of all the cast and all the crew, and on the back, it's yellow again with the uh, with the Warner Brothers logo, the old Warner Brothers logo on it. Oh damn! Yeah, you need to photograph that and send it to them. Yeah, it's a very it's very then unusual. You, then you need to sell that shit on eBay. <laughs> I'm curious to see what it would what it would get because I've never seen it. So, but um, hell, he would buy it. He would even buy it. I'm sure. Let me let me pick up Jerry. Hang on. Hey Jerry, we're going over. Hey, what's um, up, man? Hey, we're going over New York hey. film critics. Okay, New uh, York film okay. critics. Okay. Best nonfiction film is Agnes Varda faces places. She co-directed mm-hmm. that, didn't she? She, she did with somebody directed? named J.R., which, you know, uh, they, they don't oh, cite... Oh, Hagman. <laughs> <laughs> they don't cite J.R. They only cite Anya Varda, but, uh, yeah, I haven't seen that yet either. So, uh, no, I haven't but seen it. might it. be it's kind been, of a... Cur- making a round. Making a round yeah. around here, but I would like to see it, too. I, uh, I, I, I suspect this is almost kind of a career award for her. Uh, yeah, that's for language. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would imagine this is Robin Campillo, or it could be Campolo. Uh, it's beats per minute, BPM. Is that what is that? Okay. Spain or what country is that? I, don't uh, I know. think it's, um, I think it's, isn't it a French movie? I'm not quite sure, but uh, it might be Belgium or Belgian or something like that. Uh, but um, that's the movie about the uh, the AIDS epidemic. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> the best first film. This is a something that they give out. Is Jordan Peele in Get Out? Yeah, I. Uh, that's that's a good one. I mean, you know, it's funny when you're giving. I know it's his first feature and everything, but he's probably been directing his the TV show, the Key and P T TV show for yeah. uh, all this time. So it seems seems like a loaded kind of thing. I mean. I would have uh, I would have given it to um, John Carroll Lynch for Lucky, personally, uh-huh. because I think that's a real first film. But um, just like you can't really give it to Greta Gerwig either, people are mistaking Greta Gerwig's movie as being her first movie. It's not. It, it's her 
really her second movie because she did uh, Nights and Weekends with Joe Swanberg yeah. back in 2008. She won Best Film for Lady Bird. So New York film critics liked Lady Bird, but they mm-hmm. spread the wealth. Mm-hmm. They really did. I yes. Mean, uh, Los Angeles film critics, they are giving out their awards right now. Right yeah, Sally now. Hawkins. Sally Hawkins they take all day to do it. Best cinematography, they gave it to The Shape of Water. Mm-hmm. And the runner-up was uh, Blade Runner 2049. Oh, they, they announced runners-up. It'd be so nice if the Oscars did that. I like the uh, runners up too. I think that's a good thing. Sometimes, sometimes yeah. I like the runners up more than the winner. <laughs> yes. Uh, best music score. Uh, they gave it to Johnny Greenwood for Phantom Thread, wow. and the runner up is Alexander Desplat for The Shape of Water. Now Greenwood has Whoa. still never been nominated for an Oscar, even though yeah. amongst all of the you know movies, you know, it, it, it's because. Both uh, both of the the movies he's done with Paul Thomas Anderson have significant uh, uh, source music uh, used in it, so uh, it muddies the water a little bit in terms of uh, you know. There's a certain. I think the Academy has a rule that there has to be a certain number of minutes of an original score and a certain number uh, in. If it doesn't hit that certain number of minutes, you can't be nominated. So uh, right. that's the problem. No, his score for Inherent Vice is beautiful. I love his score for that movie. That I mean, he does beautiful. great scores. Oh. He does great scores. It's just uh, not enough of them. As, right. You know. mm-hmm. True, true. I wonder if Paul Thomas Anderson gave him the whole movie to do. I would imagine he probably uses classical in this, though. Yeah. I, I don't know. I haven't seen it, but, uh, you know. Uh, best production design. The winner uh, is Blade Runner 2049 uh, for, at the Los Angeles Film Critics. Uh, the runner-up is Shape of Water. And Shape I would of Water have thought, is getting runner-up. Yeah, I would have thought Shape of Water would have won that one because that looks like the the key thing about that movie is the art, art direction. So, best editing. Uh, Lee Smith for Dunkirk. The runner-up yeah. oh, yeah. for best editing. Is I Tanya? Wow! Interesting. Oh, wow! Interesting. Okay. Uh, a screenplay. Uh, Get out, Jordan Peele. The runner-up is Three Billboards. Both of them with significant, uh, you know, I, I would say minor, but when you start minor problems, but when you start thinking about them, once your once your eye has been pointed to them, you're like, ugh, that is a problem. Yikes. Or whatever. I mean, for me, the big problem with Get, Get Out is, uh, and sorry if this is a spoiler, for it's, it's a year later if you haven't seen Get Out it's yet. Been it's, 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 it's been on HBO. It's been on HBO. You've had a year. But uh, there's that. Uh, I think it's absurd that, that at the end of the movie, you know, she's, uh, he he finds out about the whole, you know, scheme that that the white people are in on. By uh, finding a box of uh, pictures of all of the men that the uh, girl in the movie, his girlfriend, has led into this sort of weird kind of odd slavery. Um, And uh, and I was like, 
why would somebody leave just a box of these pictures around? <laughs> you know, it just seems, mm-hmm. it seems absurd and, and kind of uh, convenient. Uh, it, it feels like a movie construct. And uh, so, once once that was actually pointed out to me by a. Uh, um, by my friend Gary Sherwood, who we've had on the show, who's very much a stickler for things like that because he's a screenwriter himself, and he always comes back to me with you know certain problems about certain movies uh, that uh, I'd never thought of, and uh, so uh, once he pointed that out to me, I I, I did you know uh, it's just a little problem with it, and you know Three Billboards has its own problems uh, too, which I will talk about later. Okay. All right. Good. Because you know, okay. I'd be curious. It's been a couple of weeks, so I'd, I'd be curious. I can definitely see there are problems with. It. I love the movie, but there are obviously problems with it, though. Okay. Best documentary. The winner is Faces Places. Again, Agnes Varda. The runner-up is Jane. The Brett Morgan. Doc. Hmm. Yeah, I've got a screener for that. I haven't watched it yet, so. You should watch it. Brett Morgan's a great. Uh, I really like Brett Morgan. Um, I'm going to take a look at it this week. Uh, I've only liked like half of his films, but I do like him. Uh, best foreign language film. The winner was it was a tie between Beats Per Minute and Loveless. Gosh, I love mm-hmm. that mo- that you know that Russian movie Loveless. It's fantastic. Uh, no no mention of the square, which I, I wonder if some people had problems with the square because it has a couple – really only has two or three uh, English-language scenes in it. But I wonder if that is a – That might be. That was a good point. That's a really good point, Dean. Yeah. Best animation. Uh, they actually uh, voted Coco for the runner-up. Um, and they announced the winner of best animation is the breadwinner. Breadwinner. Yeah, that's a G Kids movie. Uh, it's a, it's a, um, I think it's a, I think it's, it takes place in the Middle East. Uh, I'm not I'm not quite sure, I'm, uh, I, but I haven't seen it quite yet. I have to say, I, I set my head into Coco for a little bit, like a just a, you know, I, I sat and watched it for about thirty minutes, and um, you know, usually a a uh, uh, Pixar movie, even if you're coming in in the middle of it, will will catch your catch your attention. But I didn't really find this very. Um, thought it was very beautiful to look at, but I didn't think uh, on the screenplay level it was uh, very, you know, very distinguished. Can I ask a dumb question about Coco? Does is in my imagination? Does it sort of look like the Del Toro one from a couple of years ago, The Book of Life? A little bit, yes, like abso- sort of similar. Abso- absolutely. Is okay. absolutely, you know, kind of of that same, uh, you know, it's cut from the same cloth, and uh, okay. yeah. Mm. Okay. And this one, okay. this one's about uh, Ice T's wife, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. The, that's the good girl with the big ass. I hope Ice T. I hope. I hope. Uh, I hope <laughs> Ice T doesn't come beat me up now. Okay. Okay. I mean, yeah, yeah, it is quite beautiful, but you know, it wasn't very involving when I walked into it in the middle. <laughs> uh, I feel that way about Ice T's wife. Best supporting actress. The runner-up is Mary J. Blige for Mudbound, um, and the winner is Laurie Metcalf for Lady Bird. Mm. Oh, wow. Okay, I didn't even think about Laurie Metcalf. Okay, wow. All right. 
Oh, she's, she'll be a front runner. Oh, yeah. Okay. She's got to be. No, it's really going to be between her and Alice and Janney for, for I, Tanya. I think so. That's a good bet. Oh, yeah. Um, a best supporting actor, runner-up. By the way, we're going to talk about Lady Bird in a little bit, but I just got to tell you how weird it was. Something happened that blew my mind. You know that post that Mark Johnson made, Dean, that we were both commenting on and uh, about the likely Best Picture nominees? Mm-hmm. And I made a comment of like what I thought the three front runners would be, and then I said, but we got to wait for the smear campaigns to kick in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, was going to, I was going to tag that with, uh, you know, people probably will have problems with that uh, Matt Lauer appearance in Lady Bird. At that point, I hadn't seen Lady Bird. I saw Lady Bird last night. Mm-hmm. Fucking Matt Lauer's in it. Yes, he is. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's like, how did, it's, it's like, what the hell? I, I, I had no knowledge of that when I was going to make that comment. You just, just have to get my special Dion Warwick powers of, you know, thank friends that were. I really do. <laughs> the supporting actor, uh, Willem Dafoe, picked up the uh, LA film critics as well, as he did with New York. Uh, and the runner up was Sam Rockwell for three billboards. So I think that's where it's going to be. I think for right now, that's where it's at between those two. I mean, I really yep. do. Um, yep. No question. Best actress. The runner-up at L.A. is Frances McDormand for three billboards. The winner was Sally Hawkins for Shape of Water. Mm. Wow, they really so went for Shape of Water in their yeah, yeah, they went they went for that movie in a big way. Yeah, more I like went the to, shape of winner. <laughs> <laughs> if I were, uh, you know, if you know, if I get to see Shape of Water before, you know, the voting deadline for my critics group, I will also include her performance in Maudie as a, you know, because I think that's one of the great performances of the year. It's kind of being mm. forgotten, but. Uh, is she in that with uh, Ethan Hawke? Yes. Okay. Uh, okay, best dire- uh, best actor, rather. Uh, runner-up was James Franco for The Disaster Artist. Um, it is L.A. And, and the winner is uh, Timothy uh, Chalamet, Chalamet. Uh, yeah. again, for um, Call Me By Your Name. So he won both in New York and the L.A. So if he gets nominated for the Best Actor Award, he'll be one of the youngest Best Actor nominees ever. Because they don't tend to, you know, you know how the best actress always slips, you know, the the occasionally slip in, you know, somebody who's very young, like uh, yeah, uh, oh yeah, Tim O'Neill, Anna Paquin, or or, well, those were supporting performances, but um, but like people like uh, uh, you know, the girl from Beast of the Southern Wild, or um, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, or uh, you know, from from uh, the whale rider uh, Keisha Keisha Hughes or whatever Keisha yeah Keisha, Keisha Hughes. Hughes yeah um, you know that doesn't happen in Best Actor at all I think the last sort of child performance that got nominated was way back in the 30s with Jackie Cooper being nominated for mm. Skippy so uh, uh, you know it, it just doesn't happen very often and. Certainly not a lot of teenagers either, or, or you know, even even people in their early twenties, as Chalamet is. So, uh, uh, okay, 
Best Director, the runner-up was the director of Call Me By Your Name, Lusa Luca Gattanino. Gattanino. Um, the winner was uh, Del Toro for The Shape of Water. Mm. Wow. Uh, I, I think I see where this is going. Best Picture. Yeah. The runner-up was The Florida Project. And the winner was Call Me By Your Name. Wow. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, well, you gotta think this this call tell me about your name is going to be very prominent this year. Um, in in I just I just just the country is going going and everything. And remember, this is going to be where I, I you know this is where the rebellion is going to be if you want to say. I mean, movies love that are very. For the, this will be where the war is being fought. Um, and I'm not saying I'm sure it's a very good movie. It looks like a beautiful film. Um. But these the, this, these films will definitely be prominent um, come Oscar season. Um, so I, this does not surprise me. Well, movies about gay people. Yes, because we're living where we the country's sort of gone. The country's going backwards, Jamie. So this is where the this is where we're this is where we're at right now. Um, this is I honestly believe that living in a bad land. I mean, I just mean that that's the reality. Um, yeah. you're, you're, talking, you're talking about you know the use of the awards as kind of a social justice warrior kind of yes, uh, weapon. I, I, I see. Yes, I am, and I, that's where I, that's what I see going on right now with these critics um, awards. Because I would a year ago I would have said Phantom Thread, but that doesn't seem to be the case. Um, right. I don't disagree. So that's what with I'm saying. You. I was just I was just asking you to clarify. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's what, and I'm not making. I'm not making. I'm not. Also, I'm not belittling these films either. I'm sure they're very, I'm sure they're very good films. I'm just saying that's right now we have to people have to fight the battle where they they can fight it. So um, I mean, pers- personally, uh, I think that uh, I think that that's uh, the strongest thing that the post has going for it. And Dean's going to talk about that in a little bit. But uh, oh, okay, okay, cool, that, cool. I want to hear that. So, that social that. that social justice vote, I think, is important. Is an important factor yes. in the post. So yeah, we'll find out a little bit. Uh, top ten indie. Okay, this is the National Board of Review. Uh, they they announce like top five of the year and all that kind of stuff as well. Uh, so I'll just go through their top films of the year: uh, Baby Driver, Call Me by Your Name, The Disaster Artist, Downsizing, Dunkirk, The Florida Project, Get Out, Lady Bird, Logan, and Phantom Thread. The National Board of Review. Those are their top ten of the year. Wow, they included I, Logan. But Logan, of all those films, of all the big films, that's the one I would go with because I think it's the best of that genre. Um, that's the first positive thing I've seen about downsizing, you know, for anybody. Um, you know, that's the, I didn't know that. I had no idea that would be on there. Um, so, yeah. Well, if uh, Logan gets some Oscar love, then uh, you should might as well change the name of the movie to Logan Lucky. <laughs> <laughs> hey, All right, that? that's here's, over on there. Okay. Here's their here's their awards. Uh, National Board of Review. Uh, Spotlight Award goes to Wonder Woman. Whatever that is, I guess. Hey, we we can't give it to anybody. Uh, can't give this any other award. So let's yeah. spotlight it in this one. <laughs> um, best on, best ensemble. Get out. 
Best Documentary, Jane. Best Foreign Language Film, Foxtrot. I don't know Here's what, that. I, don't, here's what <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand this. They also named their top five foreign language films of the year. Foxtrot isn't among them. <laughs> oh, they don't. Uh, yeah, they don't. They're weird about that. Whatever wins isn't in the in the in the list. So yeah, uh-huh. Isn't that interesting. Uh, best directorial debut uh, again, Jordan Peele. Best breakthrough performance, Timothy Chalamet in uh, Call Me by Your Name. Best animated feature, Coco. Best adapted screenplay, The Disaster Artist. Best original screenplay, Phantom Thread. Best okay. supporting actress, Laurie, Laurie Metcalf for Lady Bird. Best supporting actor, Willem Dafoe again. So all three of these have wow. awarded it to Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Amazing. Um, well, it's a good performance. Best director. It's a really good performance. Best, best director, Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird. Um, best actor. Best Actress and Best Film are all the post. Tom Hanks, Meryl Streep, and the film itself won the National Board of Review. So, Dean, that's your cue. <laughs> that's your okay. cue, Dean. That's your... I want to hear all about this. I want to hear this. So. Uh, well, uh, you know, of course, the day after I saw the post, uh, I, I saw that it won those three awards. And... Uh, yeah, I kind of rolled my eyes. I, uh, you know, the post, <laughs> the post is, um, you know, obviously it's a Spielberg movie, so you know you have to see it. Uh, you're not, if you're a film fan, you're not going to miss it. Uh, uh, that said, you know, when it was all over, I turned to my friend uh, that I went to the movie with, and I said, "What'd you think?" He said, eh, "Minor Spielberg," and I said, "Yeah." Uh, you know, there's two Spielbergs. There's the historical Spielberg that, you know, wins Oscars like, you know, Munich and, and Schindler's List and, and something like this and Amistad maybe. Uh and uh, or Color Purple and and then there's the you know, the popular uh Spielberg, you know, that, that everybody loves. And uh for me uh his his historical movies are obviously more adult in nature uh and i wanted that from this movie but i felt like it was kind of a teenager uh teenager's kind of primer to this period in history it didn't really feel like an adult movie and for a number of reasons uh uh but for a movie for a movie that's been rushed out as quickly as it has i mean it's really been in production for less than a year uh i was you know i'm still stunned that it's out uh because i think the production was announced something like in april or something so uh so they didn't even have a year to do this but it had to come out I guess Spielberg felt like it had to come out because of the times that we're living in, you know, that are threatening the press and the uh and uh you know, with this uh with this present that we have and so this the post is very much a commentary on the present, uh uh, you know, while uh while detailing the uh, of course the movie is about the uh the Washington the people at the Washington Post. Uh Hanks plays the editor 
Ben Bradley, which is the same role that uh, Jason Robards won an Oscar for in All the President's Men. And uh, uh, Streep plays Catherine Graham, the owner of the post. She really is the inheritor of the post after the owner, the real owner, her husband, has passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's somebody who's uh, really not familiar with this world, um, uh, is, is really more of a socialite, uh, and... Um, and uh so she's you know as a character and as a as a colleague she's she, even though she's the head of head of the whole magilla she's she's marginalized in in uh the meetings that you see in the movie the movie is really a series of meetings of boardroom meetings editing room meetings uh meetings at a at a uh you know at her mansion uh so it becomes a little repetitive uh in terms of uh in terms of action really it's very talky um i would say that it's stodgy uh in many ways um there's never a sense you know how like uh you know with this movie you're inevitably you're going to be uh you know comparing it to all, all the president's men and uh, with all the presence men, uh, you know, there's a ridiculous sense of danger in it. Uh, it's it's as much a suspense movie as it is a, a historical film, and uh, so you're kind of looking for a little bit of that in this. And I don't really feel like they achieved it. Uh, uh, they, uh, I, I don't, they, I didn't ever feel any kind of real sense of personal. Uh, you know, danger in it. I didn't really feel like anybody was, you know, really on the chopping block. I know that they were, but uh, so the, <clears throat> to give you the, give you an idea <clears throat> of where this movie comes from in terms of tone uh, and and my reaction to it, uh, I kind of rolled my eyes the first my first the first moments of it. I was rolling my eyes. It opens up in Vietnam with Daniel Ellsberg, who's played by Matthew Reese, you know, from from the Americans. Uh, he's uh, oh, he's okay. uh, he plays uh, Ellsberg, and he's in uh, Vietnam, so he gets to he's experiencing w- the war firsthand. And uh, and the moment that I rolled my eyes is, uh, you know, you can ask the all of the. Uh, you know the production company's credits are going. You start to hear, you know, the rumblings of you know the jungle and helicopters in the background and stuff. And like, oh, yep, just like I thought, it's going to open up in Vietnam. Uh, and uh, and then what do we hear? We hear the familiar, overly familiar sounds of a Creedence Clearwater Creedence. revival song. <laughs> uh, uh, this one is run to the run through the jungle. And uh, I immediately rolled my eyes because it's been used in, you know, a credence song has been used in literally every uh, Vietnam movie that you can name. And um, it's it's a cliche. And uh, there's only about six million songs that were <laughs> that were <laughs> that were released during the Vietnam era. And you can certainly choose, you know, don't choose CCR ever again. And don't choose uh, Jimi Hendrix either. 
and just just skip over all this and find something else. There's a million songs. But um, so I was already rolling my eyes, and I knew what kind of movie this was going to be. This is the kind of movie that, you know, Spielberg is, uh, you know, is widely loved for a lot of the, a lot of the sort of Capra-esque touches that he brings to movies. I just wish that he would leave the Capra-esque out of something like this because uh, I feel like it, it, uh, it, it makes things a little childish. You know, it's like, uh, okay, so let me mention some details that kind of make me, ugh. Um, okay, there's two, there's two scenes where, where a, uh, they're going to sound very small, okay, but they add up. Uh, there's two, two separate scenes where, uh, like a copy boy or a delivery boy is delivering something with such rushed, uh, rushed urgency that they almost get run down by a car. Not just one, but two. Okay, there's a there's a uh, there's a scene where Bob Odenkirk comes in and has to make an urgent phone call instead of just reaching into his pocket and getting a couple of dimes or whatever because it was a dime back then. Uh, he he reaches in and gets a whole bunch of change and smashes it on the thing and the change goes flying and stuff. And I was just like, why does everything have to be overdone when they walk into Ellsberg's uh, room and see see the uh, see the Pentagon Papers for the first time they're spread out all over the place they're all crazy you know they're all i know that they were <clears throat> they were out of order and stuff uh and uh you know they're trying to put them in order but you know it's always over the top with spielberg uh another one um when the presses start running on the big on the big story there's a shot of odenkirk at the at his desk and the desks and everything are shaking because the power of the presses are so great. Well, I used to work at a uh, uh, at a newspaper, and I can tell you that the presses are way underground because they're so heavy they have to be underground, and uh, the uh, editorial offices are way up <laughs> way up high. And there's no way that the rumbling of the presses is going to shake the entire building. So, uh, you know, that that's the kind of detail that I'm just, uh, why does everything have to be so overdone? Uh, at, the, at, at the end, Catherine Graham, and we know how it ends, so I'm not spoiling it, okay? But Catherine Graham is walking down the, the steps from the, from the uh, uh, you know, at the courtroom or whatever. And there's a whole line of women looking at her adoringly, you know. It's not just, you know, one one woman and a guy and and two more women and a few guys and a, no, it's all women, uh, every single one, and they're all looking at her like she's a saint. And I'm like, well, how do they even know what she looks like, really? I mean, they all know what she looks like, and they're <laughs> well, she was why do they all have to be all women too? It's like I I get it, but he he's so concerned with things reading uh, clearly right. that he overdoes mm-hmm. things. Well, he uh, does though. He does that. He does do. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And uh, and then finally, I'll just bring this up. Okay. So <clears throat> there's a scene where. All of the guy, all of the you know the editors and everything are uh, trying to put together the Pentagon Papers again because they're out of order, and they're meeting over at uh, Bradley's apartment or Bradley not apartment a house, and uh, Bradley's kids are there and 
Uh, he's got his one one daughter there. Of course, it's a Spielberg movie, so you can't have a Spielberg movie at all without any children in it whatsoever. You got to have some children in it. So, uh, <clears throat> even in something like this, which is resolutely adult, uh, uh, so we have the uh, the daughter in there, and she's selling lemonade, and uh, she's she's selling lemonade first for twenty five cents a cup, and then she ups it to fifty cents. Uh, showing her entrepreneurial uh, uh, spirit. By the end of the scene, she has like $51 bills in her hand. She's counting them. And I'm like, it's so embarrassing. Like, would, do you think, let me ask this question. Do you think that all the president's men would be highly regarded, as, as highly regarded as it is today, if it had a scene of a little girl selling lemonade to, <laughs> to, you're saying burn. you're saying that it that it that it makes its metaphors too obvious. It makes I mean, the metaphor too all, obvious, and it makes it a little kiddy. I mean, I just you know it takes because it, there are there are there are metaphors in all the presidents, man. There uh, are, but they don't have any girl little girls selling lemonade in it. <laughs> what are you, Roy Moore? All of a sudden? No, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I just you know it's cute and everything, but it's too cute. You know, it's like this is. I understand. Now I've listened to a lot of things I didn't like about the movie. Let me tell you some things I did like about it. Uh, Hanks and Streep are are terrific in it. I mean, you wouldn't expect anything less from them, and particularly Streep, I think is very good, uh, very very good in it. She has some she she has some tremendous scenes in it, and uh, uh, and it's interesting too to, for Hanks to be playing somebody who's rather irascible and not not so. Uh, not so go along to get along and and uh that kind of thing he's uh he's um some 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 people might uh, frame him as kind of an ass and it and uh, that's rare for Hanks to play a kind of a character like that so i i i dig that uh you know it's got a huge supporting cast in it you know it's mm-hmm. it's it's a pretty dazzling supporting cast but mm-hmm. not almost none of them are getting given very much to do they get uh they get kind of lost in the crowd, really. I mean, it's it's great to see. For instance, it's great to see you know uh, David Cross and Bob Odenkirk in scenes together, and you you think back on Mr. Show, and and you're like, wow, would they have ever thought that they were gonna you know be in a Spielberg movie together at one point in their career? No, probably, but. Um, uh, you know, I mean, you know, I love Tracy Letts and and uh, and you know Bradley Whitford, who I think is turning into Martin Scorsese visually. He he looks he could he could play Martin Scorsese right now. He could play the present day Martin Scorsese. Just put a pair of glasses on him, and he looks exactly like him. Bradley Whitford. Yes, it is stunning how much he looks like Scorsese. If you just put the glasses on him, uh, he could play him. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, you know, people like Carrie Coon and, uh, Sarah Paulson who plays Hanks as, uh, you know, Bradley's wife, uh, they sort of get lost in the shuffle, strangely enough. And, you know, there's just not a, not a lot of, uh, meat on the bone for those, uh, for all of those people. I will say that the movie really comes alive for me in the middle of it, once the, Papers are uh, are finally gone over by everybody, and uh, the moral implications of its release are, are uh, and and what's in them 
uh, really hit everybody. And there's a fantastic scene with Streep uh, confronting her friend, uh, Robert McNamara, who's played by Bruce Greenwood, uh, who's always good. Yeah, that's a great that's a great choice for McNamara. Yes, yeah, very good, very good casting. Uh, and uh, he he has he they have probably the best scene in the movie uh, together. Uh, but uh, it, that's where the movie really comes alive with ideas. But it's very fleeting, uh, and uh, just generally, I just felt like the movie was a little dull, uh, and um, that was the general feeling I had. I wasn't I wasn't you know uh, brought brought to electricity. Uh, ele- you know electricity by by the uh, ideas in it uh uh like something like munich did for me um i was just kind of uh i don't know it's just a it's a prestige movie and it's perfectly fine i'm not like trying to shit on it like tremendously but for me it's a two and a half star movie if i if i believed in the star system that's where it would land for me uh so um, so that's it, you know. Uh, oh, and I should okay. say this too: uh, not a very distinguished John Williams score. In fact, uh, almost, you know, almost uh, completely like unmemorable. And I feel that way too with about the uh, contributions of his longtime cinematographer Kaminsky and and his wow. uh, editor wow. uh, Michael Kahn, uh, who, who, you know, I mean, I guess it's I guess it's cut together qu- quite well. I mean, you you. You'd expect that from these guys, but it's not over the, you know. So how far will it get on social relevance alone in the uh, in the award season? Do you think it'll get nominations, but it won't win anything? Okay. Yeah, it's it's. I wouldn't I I wouldn't expect it to be considered a front runner for best picture. I mean, although it will get in there as a nomination. Right, just like right, Bridges, yeah. just like Bridges Spies got in, you know, and I think the, I think it's a strong possibility that both both the lead actors will get nominated as well. All right, so which brings us to, uh, well, it doesn't bring us to. I'm going to take us here. Uh, three billboards. Let's talk about that. All three okay. of us have seen it, well, right? Well, you go, you yes. go, uh, you guys go first on this. All right. Are you like it? <laughs> yes, yes, I like. Yes, I liked it. Yes, I like. I like the movie. It was. I, I enjoyed it. I don't know if it's the right word, but I liked it. Yes. Um, right. Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks since I've seen it, but yes, I liked it. Let's get the conversation going. So. Um, yeah. um, All right. Well, I. I, I mean, I, I. I was moved by. It. I, I. I liked it, and uh, I thought just. Uh, it's a really strong performance movie. Oh yeah, yeah and I thought it was a. Uh, because those those three lead performances are flawless. I mean, just great. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's a movie. Of, uh, it's obviously about grief, but I I think more than anything, it's a movie about being being consumed by something. Whether it's something that is done to you, something you do to yourself, or something imposed on your body that's consuming and eating it away. Right. Uh, and moving on from that. And only one character really moves on from that. But by the movie's end, the other two <laughs> characters, uh, you know that they're on the path to move on. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Yeah. So just uh, them- thematically, uh, I appreciated it. Um, so, Dean, what do you have to add? 
Um, for me, I I was dazzled by it uh, while watching it. A- uh, afterwards, I had some questions, but uh, while watching it, I was uh, I was thrilled by it. Particularly thrilled. Uh, I I loved the widescreen look of it. Uh, um, I I loved, uh, of course, the cast. I mean, is is great down the line. Everybody is, no matter how small the role is, is great. I love I love, for instance, the woman playing uh, Sam Rockwell's mother, who a lot of people mm-hmm. don't recognize, playing uh, the aunt in uh, is Napoleon Dynamite of all things. But uh, she's uh, she's great in it. Uh, it has a it has a grasp of uh of lo- location and and uh mm-hmm. uh uh and uh i i did find it incredibly moving uh you know uh Frances McDormand is such a powerhouse mm-hmm. when she's allowed to uh and, and generally she's cast in in roles where she's allowed to do this but when you know with anger there is no better yeah. actress out there than mm-hmm. Frances McDormand for yeah, some reason. Yeah, and, and yet, and yet, I'm telling you, man, this is one of my favorite mo- moments in movies that I've seen all year. Uh, it's it's the moments when she shows tenderness. That, oh that, yes, right. That hit me hardest. That moment when Woody Harrelson spits blood on her, oh, and she right. said, and she says, and she says, I know, baby. Oh. Just that one word that she says, "baby." Oh, no. that, 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 my God, that killed me. moments of the year for me. Oh, yeah. I yeah. completely no, agree. Uh-huh. Completely agree. Uh, it was uh, that was uh, it was so surprising, and you know, this, my problems with the movie <clears throat> are uh, have, come with come with the mayhem that comes with it, either by. Uh, by McDormand's hand or by Sam Rockwell's hand, right. I feel like I feel like those those uh, events, uh, which are violent in nature, uh, aren't really uh, plumbed very much by the authorities. You know, they they're just sort of passed off like ah that happened by or whatever. There's no there's no deep repercussions that come from the. Uh, from the these things, even though you know they they take place right, most of them take place you know in or around the police uh, precinct that's in Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, so uh, I don't know. I just I couldn't buy that the uh, that the police would not uh, look more deeply into. You know, McDormand has a scene early on where she's uh, <clears throat> she's at the dentist. And uh, uh, something something happens there. He's the dentist is about to go all marathon man on her, yeah, and yeah. Uh, um, and uh, she she does something, and it's just sort of passed off as like, uh, oh well, you know, it, it, I just couldn't buy that, and I couldn't I couldn't also buy a well, I don't want to spoil anything, but there was just certain things that I just couldn't couldn't really. Uh, you know, couldn't really, couldn't really buy into. I just can't say it any other way. Uh, but uh, while I was watching it, I wasn't thinking about that. I was merely thinking about, well, why, geez, what's going to happen next? Because it really yeah. is one of those movies where you're like, I don't know where this is going to go. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. But uh, 
but I loved it. The you know, uh, you know, with only the most nitpicky of kind of reservations. Uh, you know, it was. Well, I think it's smart. There's there's something about Francis McDormand, and it's in the events of the screenplay as well. Like when 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 those moments of tenderness do arise, you could tell that she's almost she's almost t- tired of carrying the that heavy facade of of a- anger and grief. Like she's, but she's she's can't let go of it. And I think of I think part of the reason why she does the, she buys those three billboards is so she can keep that keep that going. But yeah. uh, she knows that she knows that it's destroying her. Uh, mm-hmm. it, but she can't let it go. Um, so uh, a, a triumph for her is maybe getting to a stage where she might be able to begin letting it go. And that's that's something that is suggested in the movie that that might happen for her. Mm-hmm. I think I mean Sam Rockwell is so wonderful in the movie, but I think the reason why people are raving most about him. Is because he has the most um, uh, obvious arc, because he's the one that goes from zero to 160. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. In, in the, the way that character is written. Um, so I mean, I can understand he he does it he does it beautifully. Um, but I I think I think the other two characters are are equally as well observed, and well written. I mean, Woody Harrelson is fantastic in it too. I mean, I, th- I think he's he's sort of getting lost in the conversation here with um, with Rockwell, uh, you know, being considered the you know the most notable supporting player in it. But uh, I love Harrelson's performance in it. You know, he's uh, he's tough, but he's uh, but he's um, compassionate and. Um, yeah, I really feel that the compassion comes through in his performance, and you know the way it's written, and uh, I I really appreciated that. I was gonna, I was a little bit dreading. I was afraid that they might uh, go another way with it, uh, but uh, but uh, they gave him real dimension, and and he plays it quite well, and uh, so that yeah, was, very much yeah. And I like the little touches, the little touches in the movie, which are directorial. Um, you know, just just in one scene alone, where she first goes over to pay for the billboards, mm-hmm. and the guy, the guy at the advertising place, uh, tell me another movie he's been in. I mean, he's great in it too. Oh, um, well, Caleb mm-hmm. Landry Jones. That's uh, you know, he was in American Made uh, uh, yeah. earlier on in the year, and that's so he's right, he's, been, right. he's in a lot of stuff these days. Yeah, he's very good. And at first, you think, oh, he's playing another one of those weirdos. Uh, but uh, but the, even his character has great dimension by the end of it, as you said, Dean. Yeah. Uh, but that one mm-hmm. scene where she first walks into his office, uh, and he's reading "A Good Man Is Hard to Find," which uh, I mean that 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 too is is some kind of clue about what themes they're dealing with, uh, because the same kind of themes are in that story. And then she goes to the window, and there's a bug that's turned over on its back. And she and she turns the bug around up, uh, you know, so that it's not struggling anymore. Mm. Uh, which is almost, you know, uh, th- th- that's an example of a metaphor that isn't is not obvious. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. 
I agree. And, and the film film has has those moments, and you just gotta really watch it. I mean, it's a, it's a movie where the, the it's a great dramatist that put this movie together, he, Martin McDonough. Yeah, no, and a great you know, it's, you know, it's very well done. I looking out of it, I just thought it was like, and I put it on Twitter, I just thought it was a very accurate representation of like America right now in, in some respects. I just thought it was really. Just really deadly accurate, and I just thought the performances were very strong, and especially Frances McDormand. I know I, I personally think she's a front runner for best actress right now. That's that's just my opinion, but I know there's some others out there too. But that for right for me, that's like the strongest performance right there. Um, and I thought Woody Harrelson was superb. Um, I thought he was very good, and I thought Sam Rockwell was very good. So it's it's, it's, it's an actor's movie. It's they're just. Uh, great performances throughout. Um, Peter Dinklage too. Um, oh, I loved him. Place. He was so good yeah, in it. Good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and also, also on um, the one who played John Hawks, who plays her ex. Um, yes, very good. Uh, and there are a lot of like, and you know, if you didn't, who was it? Um, Abby Cornish is in the movie also. As, yeah, um, playing play Harrelson's wife, right? Yeah, I mean, it's great, yeah, and it's it's, it's just um, a lot of great little performances, but also a lot of like. Like the scene in the restaurant where she goes on a date with Peter Dinklage is a is a is just you know something bad is going to happen. You just know that's not <laughs> going well, and um, of course it doesn't. Um, and, and there's just a lot of and you know it's for a guy who's Martin McDonough has made some you know in Bruges obviously Seven Psychopaths to a lesser extent, but and like like he and his brother are just these great playwrights who also happen to make great movies. Um, it's just it's incredible. Um. Yeah, some really fantastic storytelling there. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I love, I just love, you know, again going back to the way it's directed, uh, mm. you know, just the choice of uh, of having those billboards be red. I I love yeah. that, you know, to, mm-hmm. you know, they had to <laughs> they had to make them pop out against all that green of Missouri. Right. And everything. So, what's better than making them red with black letters? I mean, that's it's just uh, it's, and it's so as, it's as angry as possible. I mean, yes. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's okay. it, it's a terrific movie, though. I love it. We all three we all three recommend it. Okay, let's talk about Lady Bird. I'm excited. I actually watch movies this week. You know why I watch Yay. movies this week? First of all, you knew I found, they were going to be good. <laughs> I, I I found time. Uh, to go to the last show. I mean, the only time I'm available is like at the 10 o'clock hour <laughs> mm, <laughs> every right. day. So I would go to the latest show. And I got a movie mm-hmm. pass, so I can see as many movies as I want for $10 a month. Right, right. So you can't beat that. Yeah. You, yeah, you should right. get a movie pass. $10 a month, you can see a movie a day. Well, the only yeah. problem—the only problem is I'll have to get a, a smartphone to, to do it. But oh. luckily, you know, one of our one of our friends, uh, the uh, one of our listeners on the show, Graham Larson, uh, in the UK, uh, kindly sent me a smartphone that he had lying around in his closet or something, you know. And uh, so I, I technically do have a smartphone. Thank you, Graham, for that, by the way. Uh, but uh, um, he, so I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe I will get this because uh, you know it's, it is a tremendous deal. I can't imagine that. Like, why does it exist? How does it exist? <laughs> I don't think it will be well, very long. Like, that's the I problem with it. Is, yeah, I don't think it's gonna. I think I do think. Now some theaters, uh, ArcLight doesn't take it, iPix doesn't take it, um, but AMC and Regal do for the most part. 
Um, Angelica. The vast majority of theaters do. But, you know, yeah. I, I went to I, I, just one movie at that time cost $10.75. So the thing's already more than paid for itself yeah. after one yeah. movie. Like, what the hell? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. we're going to have to see. If, more, if a lot of people get this, I do think maybe within the next couple of months, theater owners may. But if I was a theater owner, I wouldn't because you got people going back to the movie. So anything that's going to help right now is going to be a good thing. Well, yeah, they, mm-hmm. all, they, all they care about is concessions. I mean, uh, And, yeah, and if they studios. see – it might be an experiment on their part because if they see their concession sales rise as a result, which I think is entirely possible – yeah, uh, they they might they might go for it. It, it might become something that's popular, and uh, so uh, it's the studio. It's the studios you got to worry about. Uh, yeah, but, mm-hmm. but at the same, and I think what it, who it benefits the most are are actually the smaller movies. Because mm-hmm. look, you've been to all the big movies with your movie a day. Now you need to see if you want to go to the movies again. You got to see something like three billboards. Yeah, you might as well. Yeah. It's free, as good as free. Yeah, yeah, um, it okay. might uh, it might remind people of uh, what good movies really are because it really does <laughs> yeah. it really does it really does seem like people have forgotten like they're just like mm-hmm. they're really picking picking movies that that feel movie sized uh, in yeah, their minds. I mean, and but there are people who like you know if they go decide to go see Lady Bird or three billboards because of this, that that'll be wonderful. So I think it's, it could be. Like you said, it could be a win-win for everyone. It, it really could yeah. be. So, and it, yeah. and it competes. I mean, mostly it competes with the subscription services where you pay Netflix thirteen dollars a month. You know, right. so uh, make people get out of the house again. Okay, another good movie, Lady Bird. We've all seen it, right? Yep. Yes. Okay. So, Dean, you start us out. Oh well, I just. Uh... Boy, even more than the last movie we talked about, I was uh, I was mildly impressed with this movie. Uh, I always, you know, of course, everybody knows I'm a, I've been a huge Greta Gerwig fan, particularly since 20, 2010. I know she's been in movies before that. She probably came around the scene around uh, 2007 or so, but... Uh, when she was in Greenberg in 2010, I, I my eyes were open to her talent, and I really felt like I'd never seen a. It's been a long time since I've seen a performer like her. I don't know what I can't put my finger on what it is I love about her, but I just uh, I love her uh, kind of. I guess uh, there's a certain vulnerability to her performances, uh, to her best performances that I really respond to, and. Uh, and then also like a also a surety of personality too that, that's in her uh, in her uh, performances, mm-hmm. uh, and I feel that that's here in Lady Bird, which uh, it really kind of plays like a prequel of some sorts to her movie uh, that she wrote with Noah Baumbach, uh, 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 Francis Ha. Uh, you know, it's really just about a young girl from Sacramento, which is where. Uh, where Greta Gerwig is from, uh, pining for uh, another life. Uh, she feels uh, trapped in Sacramento. It doesn't excite her as a as a place of culture. Um, she wants to go to New York, and she doesn't exactly know why she wants to go to New York. Uh, she's just dipping her toes into the acting world, acting on stage at her high school, at her uh, Catholic high school that she's about to graduate from. And uh, 
so she doesn't really have an acting urge quite yet. Um, she just does it kind of on a whim, I think. And um, uh, she's also dissatisfied with her family life. Uh, her mother, played by Laurie Metcalf, quite wonderfully, is a is a is a child of an alcoholic who uh, um, who holds her daughter to uh, you know kind of unreachable standards. Uh, I think. Uh, well, she's I think she's annoyed a, a little bit by her artistic bent and. It's something that uh, you know in her world, uh, in her world of practicality, it doesn't really match. She she mm-hmm. wants her to she wants her to to become something a little bit a little bit more straight. You know, she she's a uh, Metcalf is is a nurse, uh, a psychiatric nurse, and uh, her father is uh, played by Tracy Letts in an incredibly understated but a very, very funny performance. There was just something about everything that Tracy Letts said that I just thought was hilarious. And uh, uh, So he's not getting talked about quite enough in the supporting actor thing, but that's the case with Tracy Letts always. I mean, when is he going to get a nomination? He's 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 kind of the good cop in the good cop, bad cop kind of, kind of relationship right, right. with the parents. And uh, um, and uh, she has an adopted brother, uh, and uh, um, and a, um, a kind of a portly best friend uh, that she has some uh, problems with, uh, and she's also trying to navigate the sexual her sexual life for the first time. Uh, yeah, so this is a movie that I guess uh, you know some people are kind of uh, you know now that it's being talked about as a front runner for best picture some people are kind of uh, deriding in a way because they think it's a small movie uh, and that small movies shouldn't win Oscars I guess small good movies about people that are incredibly well acted and incredibly well written and directed. I mean, the direction in this movie is fantastic. That's something that mm-hmm. people aren't talking about quite enough is that this is a technically adept movie. This is not just a movie of drab scenes in rooms, blah, with people arguing or whatever. It's not that. It is a fast-moving movie very very fast uh the editing in it is superb never is there a moment where you're like can we get on with this now it just gets on with things it it just does it and the photography by sam levy who also shot uh 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 francis ha in black and white is colorful uh it is not uh it's not plain um and uh and again, this is another movie where everybody is good at it. Lucas Hedges, mm-hmm. who's also had an incredible year, you know, he was nominated for a supporting actor for Manchester by the Sea last year, right? And he's uh, he's parlayed that into being in both Lady Bird and Three Billboards, and he's ter- terrific yeah, in that's both. Amazing. Yes. that's amazing that he's he's in two of among the best movies of the year. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's mm-hmm. good. He he absolutely deserves to be cast more. Uh, um, it's, uh, it's just, you know, it's when it was over, I, I said that was perfection. Uh, and I mean it, it is perfection. There is nothing wrong with it. (laughs) Zero. I can find no problems with it. (laughs) You know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you said that because, uh, 
you echoed a couple of thoughts that I have. I was listening to uh, our friend uh, Chris uh, has a podcast of his own with another one of my friends, Mark. And they're talking about Lady Bird, and they both really liked it too, but they brought up a couple of things, one of which is that they think it's being overpraised because it's too small of a film to handle all that all that hype. When did that start? When I, did that start? I know. Uh, a, couple, a few years ago. Because what happens is, uh, in one sense I do understand it, because what happens is you talk about it so much uh, because of all this Oscar buzz. It goes on for months and months and months. And people watch the movie, and 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 they should approach the movie as the delicate thing that it is. Um, it it's not David Lean, you know. Uh, so I I I think it it builds up. This movie is it's a best best to be discovered instead of to to come with so many expectations. Uh, I think that hurts most movies. Um, yeah. But I, I do find that. Uh, Whenever I vote for my favorite movie of the year, I appreciate the intellectual aspect of any any film. I can talk mm-hmm. about the intellectual aspect. But if a movie reaches me like emotionally, I'm hooked. Uh, and that's usually my top movie of the year. Uh, this movie, I was just a puddle of tears all the mm-hmm. way through it because it, it was so uh, so smart and dead on about... Um, relationships between the parent and child, and what mm-hmm. was most interesting to me is it was written from a perspective of someone that uh, realizes that at that age she did not understand what her parents were going through. Yes. But she's writing it, writing it from the point of view where now she does, and it right. is, it is a ter- terrific love letter to those parents. It really is. Yes. Um, and there's and every character is so uh, beautifully observed. Saoirse Ronan is just terrific. Um, it gets better and, and better. Another, I mean, uh, yes, yeah. She does. And another thing that another thing that Chris and Mark brought up, they said the movie that this is most easily comparable to, which I think, yeah, most people that have that reference will probably relate it to Juno, but Juno. Is mm, very uh, I Juno. I, I completely see it, but Juno is I see it, very, but, uh, very precious. Juno is very postured, yeah. and as a result, yeah. it is not as sincere as Lady Bird. Yeah, Juno I, has a snarky quality to it. It's kind of a snarky, yeah. snarky mm-hmm. look down on these people kind of quality. I don't think that this has that. This one doesn't have it at all, and I and I no. and I expected it to. That's what was yeah. most wonderful about the movie because I almost expected it to be a little too clever. Uh, like yeah. it, 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 my, it would admire uh, the lead character's, uh, you know, kind of uh, her uh, how she stands up to authority and how she's a, trying to be a rule breaker. But no, I mean, Saoirse Ronan, it, it, she's so naked in the movie. Like e- even when she's doing something or saying something, lying about something that she shouldn't, you can see right through her. You can see that she's thinking, "Why the fuck am I doing this? Like I shouldn't well, be doing this. I'm not going to get away with this." <laughs> couldn't the performance, in one sense, her performance be speaking of Greta Gerwig? Wouldn't you compare? I, yeah, I, I see the Juno comparison, but no, there is 
that's a great word to describe her performance. It's very naked. Like the scene, I mean, when, when she goes to college, that first night, you know, away from her parents or whatever, the first night of freedom, if you will, and just how that goes totally wrong. <laughs> totally wrong. But I want to say something else about I, I think that her performance, I, you, you talk about the when we, she knows she's fine and things like that. That reminds me of Jesse Eisenberg and the Squid and the Whale more than Ellen Page. In Juno, in that sense, I, I think that's a that's a that's I think I just I just more. I think it's about I think it's about a uh, I mean, the comparison is it's a, the lead character is a girl that speaks uh, that supposedly speaks her mind and thinks that she knows everything about life and she talks back to the authority figures in her life. I mean, the comparison is obvious, but Greg yeah. Gerwig did not write another version of Juno. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, what she wrote is a lot more honest, and I think it'll live a lot longer because if you yeah, notice, I nobody so, talks too. about Juno anymore. I everybody think, loved no, no, Juno that first week, but nobody talks about yeah, it. Yeah, I did not fall in love with Juno like everybody else did, and so I kind well, of I fell in love with it. I mean, I, I it liked it, but, but it you was, realize you know, but you know that people did, and, and yes, those same yes. people are saying, "Oh no, that movie sucks." It's the Avatar of independent film. Everybody loved <laughs> yeah. it that first week, and nobody does. <laughs> to, to, to a certain extent, you're. Say Same pillow, and there's there's the it's so smart about people 
you could you could tell that it was directed by an actor who studies human behavior because uh, it's got human behavior down. Um, because even when she's assertive, see, the thing with Juno, any time that she spoke, you thought, oh, God, she's so smart for her age. But whenever Saoirse Ronan does that, it's quite possible she doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. Yeah. And the same thing with, Tim- with, with Timothy uh, Chalamet. Is that his name, Chalamet? Yes. Um, because she thinks he's so cool because he's he doesn't uh, he doesn't believe in money and all because and all he's doing is just speaking bullshit. Greta Gerwig. Why I burst out laughing you know, when he knows that about the characters because they're young. I mean, they're allowed not to know anything about anything. They're just figuring it out. They're mm. not teenage Einsteins, uh, you know. And and the parents have foibles as well, but it's so. It, it's so deeply empathetic towards all of them. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a beautiful, beautiful movie, and so far my favorite I've seen this year. Mm. I think it's the front runner for Best Picture right now. I mean, I, I really, you know, it's a kind of a movie. I mean, it's it's really, cur- you know, not that I look at Rotten Tomatoes, but currently it's on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's got zero bad reviews. Of course, I don't know if Armand White has has chimed in on it. He's he's usually the spoiler in all of these when they yes. come around. But uh, uh, you know, I uh, you know it's 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 universally loved at the moment, and I know a lot of you know to go back to what we were talking about earlier. I know a lot of people you know in the middle of the country when uh, these movies come out uh, around Oscar time. Uh, it's very frustrating for uh, people to be in parts of the world in which these movies aren't there yet. You know, they're they're right. on a certain um, release, release schedule pattern. that uh, that is trying to uh, you know foment some kind of excitement for the movie, uh, and, uh, and therefore they. They hold off from releasing it like in a two thousand two thousand theaters all at once or whatever, uh, and uh, and I think personally I think it's the wrong thing to do. I think they should be released more widely because you know we've we've still got you know freaking you know uh, Thor Ragnarok in in four theaters at a, a sixteen theater complex. I so, think I, you know I, I think that Lady Bird and Three Billboards is is has been released widely. I mean, if they yeah, came to Lakeland, yeah. Florida, I'm pretty sure they're in most places. But mm. when it comes yeah. to smaller, smaller uh, character movies that are nominated for Best Picture, uh, this should not be lumped into those. It, it, it is not smarmy like Juno. It is not a sitcom like Little Miss Sunshine. This is a really great movie. Um, mm. And, you know, what, whatever size you want to classify it as. So I don't think it hits any of the pitfalls of any other movie that's been uh, nominated in Best Picture over the past decades. Mm. Um, Movies you know, of this just, type, at least, in scope. Yeah, you know? coming, coming of age. Yeah, pictures. yeah. So uh, go see it. Go see it, guys, really. It is it's, it's terrific. I mean, it's really, really terrific. I'm so proud of her. I just, uh, I absolutely, you know, I hold Greta Gerwig very close to my heart, uh, and I think a lot of critics feel the same way, and um, and uh, you know, certainly after uh, 
you know, I mean, even with something like Nights and Weekends, which she co-wrote and co-directed and co-starred in, uh, to me, that's an early signifier of uh, of her talent, uh, and um, and uh, it's really just kept on growing and growing, and uh, to to this point, you know, and uh, I, I think she's um, uh, just just a major talent, uh, and I'm I'm glad finally she's getting recognized. You know, here it is, yeah. almost ten years later, and uh, or ten years after she's gotten into the industry. And uh, it's it's high time she got she's she could she could be a major director. I mean, there's also the notion that maybe this is so good because it's so personal. Maybe this is the personal story that comes out of her. It would be interesting mm-hmm. to see how she directs someone at someone else's script. But I'm sure we'll get to that point. Uh, and she's she's a major talent behind the camera. And and it it's important to note that great directing is not camera tricks. Uh, uh, it, great directing is having a kind of acute sensibility for human behavior, for the for the human moments, and how to depict those uh, visually. Um, and you know, and the screenwriter, the flip side of that coin is how to how to kind of depict that in the written word in the text. But uh, she is the director. She's a full fledged director with this movie. Mm. Uh, it's mm-hmm. not ju- it, she's just not shooting her script, plain Jane, and and it, she's really giving life to the images, and and the behavior of the characters within those images. So, mm. bravo Good. to her. Yes. Right. Big. Um, okay, I want to talk about one other movie because I did see Roman J. Israel. Oh um, yeah, and I watched that too. Now Roman J is I real. I liked it. I liked it. I didn't mind it. I mean, yeah, it's 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 not it's not an Oscar movie. So like take that no. off the table. I thought it was a completely fine, enjoyable movie. Uh, mm-hmm. If you read, uh, have you read Odie Henderson's review of it? That oh man, I did read it because I went to I no went no to I see it. I went to go see it. Hold on a second. I went to go see it last night uh, with a friend of mine, uh, a fan of the show, Chris Carr. Uh, who really loved the movie, uh, um, and um, uh, so he w- he had read uh, uh, Odie Henderson's review of it. Boy, what a nasty takedown of it! I mean, he was he was obviously well, insulted. More than, more than by that, it. it's 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 completely wrong. Yeah. First of all, there's a couple of instances in his review where he compares it to the trailer. Like the scene in the movie is completely different from the way they portray it in the trailer, and I'm like, "What are you reviewing? The the movie or the trailer? <laughs> or the trailer? I mean, <laughs> and, wait a second, wait a and, second. And another another point he makes, he's like, you know, Denzel Washington steals all this money so he could buy suits and expensive hotels and all that kind of stuff. That's why didn't he just use his, Why didn't he just use his salary? Because he I'm didn't like, have Did a listen? salary. His salary yeah, was five hundred dollars a week. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you listen, if you listen to the movie, he was making five hundred dollars a week. Colin Farrell said, "We'll double it, a thousand dollars a week in Los Angeles. What is that going to give you? You yeah. can't buy expensive suits and big high-rise apartments." And yeah. all that so that was completely off the wall too. He was yeah. obviously uh, insulted to buy it. I, I should add that he's insulted. I think he felt personally insulted by the movie because he saw the character as being a uh, an Asperger's uh, sufferer. And uh, and Odie Henderson, in his review, admits to being on the Asperger's spe- spectrum, and he, fe- I think, he feels like the movie is an insult to Asperger's 
another point uh, that he made is uh, Denzel Washington's character has this sweeping kind of legislation that he's been pinning where he wants to change the penal system. He says that this could have ramifications for, for, for particularly poor people who are misused by the system, and he just needs somebody to back him on it and co-author it and sponsor it and that kind of thing to see it through. Uh, Colin Farrell, by the end, he kind of bites and, and agrees to help him. Uh, Odie's argument was that uh, we don't even know what this legislation is. We don't know the particulars of it. There's a big scene where Denzel Washington yeah. is talking talking about the the the, the piece of uh, that he's written to Colin Farrell, and he talks yeah. at great length with a lot of words. It's like an Aaron Sorkin esque kind of monologue. Yeah, it is clear it is clear to us that he understands what's in it. I, I don't okay. necessarily have to understand every detail of it. This I'm not right, right. I'm not watching like a legal documentary. I just have to Can I feel like he understands. Okay. What's this gentleman who wrote this review's name? What's this guy's name? Odie Henderson. He wrote it for uh, uh, Roger Roger com. Yeah. Okay. Did Odie He's Henderson go to the bathroom he, he, during a lot of the movie though? Did he <laughs> go to the bathroom and get in this? I, I, I thought all the things he's making. I mean, especially the legislation. There's a that's a big part of the movie where he explains it to Colin Farrell um, what the legislation is. I have to say, and you don't have to. Cause... You don't have to understand it chapter and verse. That's my point. It's, we just have to know right. that he understands it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You know, it's about a guy who did Nightcrawler, which is one of my favorite movies of that year. Um, my favorite movie of that year, and I like the movie because it does have some of those elements from Nightcrawler, those oh my god moments, if you want to call them. Um, that you can't, especially the last act, and 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 I thought it was a very one of my one of the better things I've liked Denzel Washington in quite some time. But who I thought was equally very good was Colin Farrell. Was equally very good. I think it's a very entertaining film. I think it's a very well made movie. You're right. I don't know if it's Oscar worthy. But it's certainly a very good movie. Though. Even, um, another criticism of Odie's was that the last song that they used, that I'll Be Around song, <laughs> I think, is that like the Spinners or something? Yep. Um, and, and he says it doesn't, you know, he, he complained that the use of it, like, why? Like, well, it doesn't make any sense in the context of the movie. It makes perfect sense because Colin Farrell is seeing his legislation through. He'll and, be around through that. I don't know. You... I'm, I'm sorry. I have to say, after watching the disaster artist, which I guess we'll talk about next week, which I thought was wonderful yesterday, just uh, just oh, a very funny, very very enjoyable movie. It's like, did, did Tommy Wiseau write this review for Roman J. Israel? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, something Tommy was It's an outrageous review. It is incredibly nasty. It's a takedown. Basically, right, and uh, it, it it absolutely gives no credence to the quality of Denzel Washington's <laughs> performance, which he really just sort of brushes it off as a uh, as as an insulting performance and a and a, a and a, a sh- kind of a showboat, I guess. Uh, he 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 complains about his frumpiness in it. I love the fact that now uh, that Denzel is doing a movie where he transforms himself. Uh, he, I yeah, don't think he does it enough. I love the physicality of the character. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you it, it, obviously, like one of the main models he used for that character, it has to be Cornell West. Mm-hmm, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. because that's that's what I thought of, and, and then but then he gives him like this 
Forrest Whitaker gait, like this Forrest yeah. Whitaker kind of body. <laughs> I yeah. don't know how else to say it. But it's a basically physical performance. It's a transformation. The way he walks defines the character yeah. to a great extent. It's a yes. great uh, performance. I thought it was a great – it's a pleasure to see him act. It really is. Yes. It, it, it is. Really it is. Nice. And, and uh, it's also wonderful how the movie – doesn't uh, doesn't conform to our expectations. We expect that it's going to be a movie that's going to end in a big court case. It doesn't. Uh, it, it's it's. We expect that Colin Farrell is going to be an asshole. Uh, he is. He's not though. That's uh, right. You know what's interesting. You know what's interesting is as soon as Roman gets it becomes corrupted. Colin Farrell begins to become more righteous in his behavior. Yeah, yes. Uh, it's an interesting dichotomy that happens. You know, another thing that Odie Harrison did was he he oh. uh, he characterized uh, uh, um, Odie Henderson as a did I say his name wrong. Uh, another thing he did he characterized Carmen Igojo's uh, 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 I forget how to say it, yeah. but he he. Uh, he characterizes her as a love interest. She's not a love interest. She's no, a uh, <laughs> she's, she's an admirer, uh, yes. and it it feels like it could go that way if 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 uh, if Roman Israel was a different person, maybe. But uh, uh, it is it, not that at all. Uh, so uh, you know, I, I want to say this: if if I have one complaint about the movie, I feel that at two hours and ten minutes, it is a little long. I I, I was uh, there was there was a point in, in it where I was like, there's a few too many montages and things going on here. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I didn't know it was that long. I didn't know it was that long. I didn't notice the time go by. To be honest with you, Dean, I didn't even notice. I was so. Because I guess I like the filmmaker a lot, and I like the story and everything. I got so wrapped up in it, I didn't really even notice the time go by. I didn't realize well, it was that long. So I will put a qualifier in here, just to be honest. I saw the movie third in uh, you know in yesterday's uh, lineup, and that's after. So yesterday I saw Lady Bird first, three billboards, Roman Israel. And then I stuck my head into to uh, Coco for a little while, and I watched a little bit of Wonder as well. And then, mm-hmm. plus, I'm sitting through probably 45 minutes worth of trailers, which can really blow your mind. Right. Yeah. And right. Uh, and so uh, by the end of uh, by the last third of Roman Israel, I was pretty much knocked out. Uh, you should, well, you should have you should have hated. I mean, given that uh, given that day that you had and Roman Israel capped it off, it was you know you could have been tired of watching movies and you would have hated it. But you don't hate it. No, it, it, it no. is. It, it's not an Oscar movie. It's just a good, strong, entertaining movie. It's a great character, and, and, character study. A good character yeah, study. I, I encourage that's what people it is. to go see, uh, see it. Yeah, that's what it is. It's a character study, and that's all it is. It is not a plot-driven movie. We no. expect it to be, but it's not. And I like that it it subverted our expectations. Uh, you know, uh, I, I just wish wish it was a little shorter. And it's not on par with Nightwalk, uh, Night Crawler. Uh, no, it's not. Me, but it, it wants to be. It, no, 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 it's not. And I agree with you. But it does have some of those same. I, I think we can. I, I like to call them the, the Oh my movie. God moments. Uh, yeah, it's I mean, I, I think he's. I, I think he's making really good LA movies. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe um, that's his shtick. And and yeah, and, no, and also movies about outsiders, you know, uh, yeah, flirting with not, being insiders. 
Yes. He's not creepy. And the guy, and that's sorry, Big Gyllenhaal's performance in Nightcrawler, that's just one of the creepiest yeah, in recent it's, memory. It, it's, a scary, it's a scary psychopath performance. This is not yeah. that. So, no, yeah. it's not that. But it does have what I call those, like, oh, my God moments of Nightcrawler. It has a couple of those. Like, but couple, you're, absolutely, lot, you're, but you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right, though, that L.A. is a great story to tell uh, right. uh, character portraits of outsiders that want to be insiders. And that's yeah. what Night – you're right, Dean. That's what Nightcrawler is, and that's what Roman Israel is too because uh, what that represents when he makes that moral decision halfway through is he finally wants to know how the other half lives. Like the, and he's kind of forced he, in it too. He can't, you know. The, yeah. uh, you know, Farrell is saying you got to buy you some new suits, man. This this uh, this ensemble yeah, that you got going on that you've thrown together is not working it anymore. Work so. Yeah, that's a yeah. great that's a great thing you say. It's about outsiders wanting to be insiders, and I guess that might be a theme maybe yeah. this year. Yeah. The disaster artist is the ultimate. Is the ultimate outsider wanting to be an insider with the craziest results? Um, I, I can't all, wait to see the disaster artist. Uh, I'll probably it's, see it this week. Oh, so. stay! I don't, well, I saw because we stayed because the arc light at the end of the movie. Sometimes arc light will have something called arc light stories, where a little featurette about the uh, making of the movie. And I'm glad I stayed. There is a post-credit scene. Of the disaster what is that artist. scene? I, I, I'll, I'll cut it out. Tell me what the scene is, because I wasn't aware of that. He's at a party. The real Tommy Wiseau meets James Franco. Is in a scene with um, James Franco at a party. If I'm not, you know, that's okay. okay. What it is. But I, I didn't, and now if I didn't know, if I didn't know, if I wasn't into the arc light, I wouldn't have stayed for that. So, um, right. please stay for that. And so I, I, it's just a, I, I, it's a couple I didn't seconds, but it's worth I won't be going to theater seat again to, to watch the end of it. But it's interesting. I mean, to hear a counter opinion on disaster artist Aaron saw it. Aaron knows very little about the room. He has no interest in watching it, and he was just annoyed by the Tommy Wiseau character. Mm. He just thought he was an mm. annoying person. Uh, which th- there'll be a sec- segment of the audience oh. that maybe you'll find the same thing, Dean, where yeah. you'll find the character just a, a grating. Yeah. And if you yeah. do, then I mean, you won't. It, then, then it'll affect your enjoyment of the movie. Sure. Uh, yeah. I, I can see that. If you can't buy can into the whole, per- if you can't buy into it, then you you just you uh, you, you won't buy into. Well, the you'll movie, you'll but... you'll buy you'll buy into it because, but it's just the character himself it grates your it could possibly grate your nerves. <laughs> I could see how it, some it, people would feel I'm, that way. I'm sorry, but our first, when he's first introduced, when he goes to the audition in the acting lab and he gets up on stage, the I've never, right. I have to say, this movie was sold out, and the audience could not stop laughing throughout. Not because it was just, I've never, I haven't seen a movie this funny where the audience was so into it. And I think most of the audience knew about the room or was had seen the room. Sure. The, I, I mean, it was just. People were just in hysterics during parts of it. I mean, it was really, it was really nice to be. It's very infectious. It's very nice to be. It'll be a, a fun movie to see with an audience. That's for sure. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, ho- I hope I'm able to see it like that the first time, rather than rather than. I mean, I'll be able to appreciate it whether I'm with an audience or not. But uh, but I, I hope to being see with it an audience, audience helps. Yes. It does most of the times with comedies. I've seen comedies yeah. where I've like. Laugh my ass off in a crowded theater, and then I've seen them at home by myself, and I'm thinking, what did I find so funny? <laughs> it's yeah, just, exactly. Think with an audience, it makes it infectious, you know. Yeah. yeah. And he's 
good at this. James Franco, when he plays these type of characters, like in Pineapple Express or even Spring Breakers, he excels at this. I don't know what it is, but he just he just takes it up a couple of levels, and it's just insane. But this one is I, I was just I was dumbfounded by how how much fun I had with it. Um, uh, you know, I mean, it was you know as many movies as Franco puts out as a director, as a performer, as a as a writer sometimes. It, none of them have really landed. I mean, uh, and yeah, this, he, this, this is the first one that's really, uh, you know, gotten he, some traction. He's kidding me of the guy he throws the spaghetti to see what sticks and throws, like, the whole bowl, if you will, yeah. against the wall. Yeah. But this one, he finally has it. He finally has figured it out, directing-wise, at least. Well, um, yeah. And this, this is his Daniel. This is his Daniel Day-Lewis performance. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah. Uh, can I bring up another movie that uh, I watched? Uh, and I'm sure we'll talk more about Disaster Artist once we've all seen it. But uh, um, uh, I want to bring up another movie that I watched this week called Molly's Game. Uh, oh, you new... lucky dog, you. I want to see that. I can't wait to see that. The new uh, Aaron Sorkin. It's good. Uh, it's good. But I want to put some some qualifiers on it. <laughs> uh <laughs> Aaron Sorkin is not my favorite uh, person as a uh, as a dramatist. I guess <clears throat> I um, I I get very um, I get very irritated by the ratatat quality of the dialogue and almost everything that he's involved with. And I know that it's a style, um, but uh, in this one particularly, uh, it it's uh it's a little overwhelming um it, you know Molly's game is about a uh you know a former skier who is a, a, a competitive skier who is uh who's sidelined in her sport and uh she she falls in with uh, uh into the world of poker uh running running games for the highest stake poker players in the in the nation or the world and uh, and how that gets her into trouble, basically. And um, I want to the the first thing I want to say about it is that <clears throat> it's narrated um, to such a degree that uh, you know, basically, this is kind of like a Goodfellas type movie. You know, it's like you know, Fall from Grace and everything, it's the highs and the lows. And uh, uh, it's narrated in a similar fashion that Goodfellas is narrated in, but it's ratcheted up like a hundred degrees uh, to the point where, literally now, I'm I'm speaking literally now. This is not an overstatement. There is not one just straight dialogue. There are not two straight dialogue scenes back to back in it until the final 30 minutes. It's two hours and 30 minutes long. Uh, so basically what I'm talking about is a uh, two hours of incessant narration. That's like... It's like it's like going on in the background. It knocks you for a loop. Um, and uh, if uh, narration to you feels like a um feels like a shortcut uh a particularly lazy one then you're definitely not going to respond to this one because it is mm, okay. it's incessant and um 
so as a result, um, and and you know Chastain, uh, Jessica Chastain's in the lead, and she she's fine in it, uh, but uh, she, that narration feels a little monotone to me. So it, it gets it gets uh, you know I, I I just I I I couldn't take that stuff. You know, two hours of it's too much. When that finally dies down in that last thirty minutes. You're like, wow, there's a real movie under all that gab, you know. Uh, it's there's the, okay, here's the real movie, and uh, Kevin Costner plays her father, her kind of taskmaster father that uh, that she's struggling uh, struggling with uh, gaining his uh, affection. Um, that that's kind of her prime motivation in some ways, and uh, Idris Elba is fantastic. Probably the thing, the the facet of the movie I love most about it is Elba as her lawyer who is reluctant to take her case when she gets into trouble um but uh but is won over to her side because he finds he finds some kind of integrity in her. It's really that narration that hobbles it. Uh I you know, it still might get a you know, it's a thin year for adapted screenplay, so it might still get in there for uh Sorkin's screenplay, but uh that's only because there's not much to choose from this year. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I counted it as a, you know, I, I don't want to say it's a bad movie, but it's it's something that's taken down a notch by the way that it's directed. Uh, and that, if I'm not mistaken, it's, it's Sorkin's, is this Sorkin's directorial debut? As a, uh, I think yeah. so, I think. Yeah, so that that might be, you know, that might be, an issue here, I guess. But, uh, yes, yeah, so don't get your hopes. Let me just also say this, too, as a qualifier. I'm not a card player. Uh, I don't know anything about it. I don't know the difference between a royal flush and a three of a kind, or I don't know I don't know what playing the river is or any of that shit. So whenever, whenever it comes to card playing or whatever, like my standard line on that is, the only thing duller than watching people play cards in a movie is people tapping out on a computer. You know, it's like that's the that's movie killer to me. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, so cards doesn't uh, or gambling of any kind. I don't I don't care if it's you playing the freaking roulette or you know pulling the pulling the arms down on machines or whatever. To me, all that all that stuff is like blah. You know. Yeah. Uh, I I don't get it, and I'm really kind of disconnected from the gambling, the the urge to gamble at all. I mean, I wouldn't, I I've never even gambled on the Oscars, and that's my, you know, that's that that's something that I'd love to speculate on, as all movie lovers do. But I'm just not a gambler at heart, and I find the impulse to gamble to be kind of like, what? Why would you do that? But uh, you know, and I, I, I've never seen a movie to ever explain it. It's, uh, it's um, appeal. They, they're usually, usually when gambling is portrayed in movies, you just see the, the you, you see the side that destroys people's lives. And I'm like, well, why do yeah. people do it? I don't, I don't get it. I mean, I know it's an impulse, and it's a, it's a, it's you're chasing, you're chasing the, <laughs> you're chasing the demon or whatever, trying to. 
trying to catch it, but uh, it's just, yeah, I don't know. I don't get it. This is psychological <laughs> addiction. Like one of one of the best uh, versions of portrayals of that addiction that I've seen is Owning Mahoney. But uh, but there are yeah. gambling yeah. movies. There are gambling movies that don't that don't care about the you know the addiction aspect of it. And uh, I like California Brown. Split as a yeah. That was, as, I was gonna California Split and another one Mississippi Grind that just came out a couple of years ago with Brian Reynolds and Ben Mendelsohn. I thought was very good. Yeah. Yeah. And uh and I love uh you know the only gambling scene that I can think of that I've ever really loved was in Going in Style from 79 with uh uh George Burns and Art Carney in Vegas yeah, at, the, yeah, yeah. At, at the at the craps tables and everything. That's 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 a fun scene, but uh um yeah, usually it doesn't usually they don't uh they don't affect me in any way. All right, guys. Covered a lot of ground. Right. Yes, we did. We did it. Yay. We did it. 